Welcome to the 17th episode of Foam Talks, recorded on the occasion of Jonatas de Andrade's Next Level Exhibition at Foam, Staging Resistance. In this episode, we will explore the power of performance to transmit social knowledge, memory and identity in Brazil and the Americas at large. I am Valeria Posada, Assistant Curator of Public Practice, and it is my pleasure to introduce both the artist as well as performance scholar and founding director of the Hemispheric Institute of Performance and Politics, Diana Taylor. Thank you. Hi, Diana. Hi. Yes. Hi. Hi. Well, Hi, Diana. It's a pleasure. It's yeah, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. And I, I love your work. I would love to hear you talk about your work and especially what you were thinking about the pieces that are going to be shown in Amsterdam as part of this exhibition and then talk about those pieces. Does that make sense? Yes, Diana, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be talking to you. And uh, the exhibition at FOAM, uh, we started planning a few years ago and I I was approached uh, and uh, talked with the curator, Hinde, a lot. Then the pandemic came and we had more and more time to think over and to imagine. And I... I was being challenged to think of, uh, of the connections between the Dutch and Brazil, the Dutch, the Dutch people in Brazil, and there was a, a Dutch period of colonization here. And uh, as we were mostly colonized by Portuguese, um, we barely can see these, uh, these, these tracks or these marks in daily life. And, uh, but there was a curious battle that uh, where Dutch was defeated, and it was a battle leaded by women. It's called the Battle of Tejuku Papo. And uh, I, was, I had done before uh, a quick piece on it, but it was a more scenographical after, after battle scene with uh, colonial objects uh, where they were, dis- they were uh, placed on the ground as if it was a scenario of after war, because the story of this battle is that women were uh, were were surprised by a, an offense of the Dutch of, of Dutch soldiers, not Dutch men, where at the moment where the 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 man of that village had gone to his city to sell fish and to work, and the women just fought back with what they had in their houses. And one of the weapons was curiously boiling water with pepper. And uh, I was researching more about that, and I didn't know there was a group of women from the village of Tejucupapo, one hour from Recife, where I live, and they had been performing these for 30 years in an open-air theater. And I was amazed to see uh, images and the videos, and I, and I started thinking how... I could approach and create uh, uh, and propose a situation using photography or video where I usually work with, the mediums that I usually work with, that could play in this existence of, uh, of, the, of this theater in the photographs. And that's how this project happened. And it's the commission for this exhibition, which is an exhibition that it's on in, at FOAM uh, with other older works. And it was a fascinating process of approaching this group of women, under, uh, getting to know Dona Luzia, which is uh, a lady who has been uh, uh, engaging people from the village to perform to this to this play every every April, and around two hundred people or three hundred people join in this in this uh, staging situation. And uh, and I proposed to to work on these photographs, who would be a black and white essay, uh, where they could be performing as if they were trying to strategize in these in these uh, in this battle. And uh, uh, I, I understand these these uh, projects like uh, excuses to get closer to people and also to create platforms for these work or this interaction or, 
or certain parts of memories to be uh, achieving other, other a broader audience or a different audience that in the, in the theater that they already perform. But also, it becomes uh, art becomes something that it puts me into negotiation with people so that I can have them engage in my own project and I am engaged in their own practice as well. So throughout the project, I, I, I get closer to people and I get closer to a certain memory or observation that usually it's more of a poetic gaze from a certain distance. And, uh, and, and within the task of making these uh, photographs happen, I really have to get closer, and uh, and 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 and, and this this whole process becomes something that requires to me uh, a certain performatic level, and it's interesting when I when I when I heard that it was you, Diana, that I was talking to. I was really happy because uh, sometimes I've been approached uh, by I don't know by, by by some people that that ask me, "Do you understand your work as performance?" And I, 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 I never had thought of that, I have to say, before these questions start to arise a few years ago. And uh, I don't feel myself as a performer, but I understood I could start thinking of that. And I also started understanding that maybe my proposals uh, could be performatic uh, propositions to people, to the communities. It's funny because these categories sometimes they they can be fitting practices in boxes, but sometimes in a way this opened up my view a little bit on how to understand these these projects. You know, that's incredibly interesting because when I was looking at your photographs and I was looking at the videos and the relationships between, say, for example, the women drawing over the colonial maps or the people who were basically deaf-mute, who could create their own language, or the workers in the sugarcane fields making another version of the alphabet. I thought to myself, these photographs are actors. So the photo as an actor seemed very interesting to me in your work. Because on one hand, of course, photography is a colonial instrument, and you know, we're always replicating, of course, some of the tools that we have, as are the participants in all of these different projects that you're involved in, right? Everybody's trapped in some way in in these colonial uh, technologies. But it's so interesting because the way that you're using the photographs, it seems to me, is it's acknowledging, on one hand, that the, the power, if you want, of capturing, right? You capture a photograph, you enter into it, but you're also transforming it. And you're also allowing the people involved a possibility of transforming the situation that they're in. So it seems like a very emancipatory uh, project of taking, say, for example, I mean, for me, the most powerful of, and it just was, extraordinarily moving for me to see the Kayapo women working on those colonial maps. And these maps had erased them, right? These colonial maps had envisioned a territory without the people on them, right? These now belong to Portugal or they belong to, you know, however they got organized administratively. And the women with their own bodily practices, the way they paint their own bodies, are able to take those maps and just re and de-territorialize them. They're able to make a landscape in which they live according to their own logic and their own sense of balance and, and color and beauty and make a different meaning. So I thought that there the, the role of photography is really extremely interesting. Yeah, I'd like to talk more about how you think about the role of photography as part of performance, but as a performance in and of itself. Yes, the project that you mentioned is the was done with the Kayapo women. It's called uh, Hunger for Resistance, and I had a like a an am the amazing chance. I so I had the amazing chance to to meet 
this group of women, which, which is a community that use the traditional graphisms, usually on their body, not only for rituals, but for daily activities. And uh, I had... Uh, I, I had been researching the some maps that were being thrown away because everything was being digitalized and maps that have been done by the army, by the Brazilian army and by the local governments, maps that are trying to create drawings for uh, for the territory to exploit, to to transform it in quantity, to understand how the Amazon and how the countryside of this huge Brazil can be transformed into mining, into, into plantations, into this, this sort of uh, understanding of civilization, which is so much about uh, destroying nature and making it capitalize. No? So I, uh, my, my idea was to propose to these women that they would take the maps as a, as a, a support, a surface for these joints if their bodies are the surface and the, these bodies speaks about heritage and, 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 uh, and an engagement with nature, which is so much more natural, the idea of painting on that, on that, uh, on, on those maps was for me, a battle of drawings and they were just the, 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 the maps, the civilization drawings would be vanished away by those flags of Kayapo. And it was beautiful and such a strong experience because the women only speak Kayapo. I don't speak their language and they don't speak mine. So they live in the middle of the forest. And uh, it was a really strong experience, especially in the government that we are now. We are experiencing uh, a right-wing uh, uh, government extremely damaging to nature, to human rights, to so many things. So for me, creating like a, a huge flag of these maps through the work and through the actions of those women, for me, it's, uh, it was something super powerful. And photography there, it's an excuse to, to bring that body, to share the presence of the body and the strength of that, of that gesture to the audience and to have them together. So in the exhibition, we have the maps with the borders uh, and uh, they, they are painted with these graphisms and we have the, the hands in real size or the arm of the painter with the name of the painter. So we have uh, indigenous Kayapo names of those women like as the, as the authors of those, of those paintings. And, uh, and these experiences speak, speaking out in, in today's world as uh, we are experiencing election in October, no? So I think it's uh, it's for me it speaks a lot of how fragile the situation of the indigenous is right now, and also how it speaks out of resistance as a gesture, as a gesture, as an action through the body. So, I would, could you say something more about the flags? How did you see what the Kayapo women were making as flags? Yes, for me, I I thought it was only paintings. You know, there, there are some things that we that, that we imagine. I mean, I imagine when I create a project, but of course, I work a lot collaboratively. You know, Diana, and uh, and in this exhibition at Foam, I think this is completely uh, a thread around the works. And um, I, I imagine poetically a point of departure, but once you go out and you really talk to people and propose and you, you, you have, there is a certain negotiation that happens, no? Uh, yes and no's, people that enjoy the idea, people that don't, that, that don't understand it very, like uh, in, the, in their own way. So there is a negotiation. With those women, I was bringing a map that it doesn't seem to make sense to them because they relate to drawing in another way. And uh, they understand, I, I, they understand the, these as a, an extension of their, of their own body, the gesture, and, and they usually... So having those maps painted, for my understanding, I think it was already 
them dealing with uh, uh, a man that comes from a civilization. And, uh, of course, I was trying to engage in, a, in an artistic practice. But, I mean, it was already... I, I represent a lot this world, which is so far away. Because I am... I speak Portuguese. I could study in, like, in the Western type of, of, of study. So... This clash that I was proposing was already there in that interaction. So when I saw the maps painted, I read them as flags, but I'm, I'm not sure if the women themselves understand that as flag, because even the idea of having a flag, I might understand uh, this is uh, also like a, a westernized co uh, concept, you know? So I understand that the, the, the idea of flag is like a, a resistance sign through the action of those paintings. And I, I, what I can say is that I, I really enjoyed and I never I had expected that the maps are just swiped away. And it's really amazing. Some, I, I described to a few friends uh, these maps and the photographs and they would see the paintings and they would say, where are the maps? I don't see the maps. Because you, you just see the maps when you get really close to it. And you can see that the drawings are behind the flag. So the flags uh, and the drawings and the graphisms, they don't respect the borders because it represents the, the action and the culture of those Kayapa women. They are beyond the borders. They are beyond the idea of the maps. So they, 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 are, they are overwhelming to that support. So I think when we speak of resistance, I think uh, uh, thinking of all those paintings together, trans composing these almost four by four meters uh, uh, territory, it becomes like a huge uh, presence of, the, of that gesture. So there were, uh, I think, 30 women involved in painting those uh, those pieces of territory that compose this puzzle of this big territory. And the process of doing that was very powerful. It was very powerful. How long did it take? I think it was um, around four or five days intensely, like they were like painting. And they paint with, uh, of, with sticks, with sticks of wood. And it's very graphical, and it plays with the idea of the uh, of uh, of nature patterns. So every every painting has a certain meaning. the The painting of the of the rain, the painting of the of the turtle, the painting of some occasions, the painting of the of a pregnant woman, women, you know. And uh, so so this is. Uh, this is something that I had, like, uh, someone helping to understand someone who was, like, who could be a translator and could help me understand how those meanings navigate in, let's say, our culture, you know, like the culture outside the Kayapo and, uh, and, and understanding how some things are, that some, some things may be understood and some not. So when I, when I say flags... I understand these already like a, a reading by myself, you know, uh, not exactly something that they say, we will do flags. Yeah, I, I'm curious because, well, first of all, I'm not even sure that the Kayapo use flags. I'm not sure it's in their conceptual way. Of yes, I, I don't think so, but I, I wouldn't be sure to, to say, but I would risk saying no. Yeah, I guess what I was so interested in is that you're taking these objects that are archival, these old maps used for all of the reasons you said, and you put them into the process of a lived action, which is these women understanding or not really understanding what these maps are. They don't recognize the land that they live on in relationship to those pieces of paper that they're looking at. It's got nothing to do with their lived experience. So conceptually, they could say, this is a version of where I live. And on another level, it doesn't make any sense. So you take that and they intervene with all of their own meaning-making system. 
as you say, the lines that mean this or rain or whatever those images mean to them, they absolutely populate this with their own world. And it's their world that we're looking at. Whatever the language is, whatever they would call it, it really doesn't matter, right? Because it's from their own world, their own experience. Um, and now those same pieces are going to be in the museum, in the gallery, and you can barely, as you say, see the original map with the, with the red sometimes in the background that's ghosted, right? It's just ghosted. It's like a, a presence that's there, but you have to work hard to see it. So they've transformed their world. They've transformed, they've taken the world that theoretically they live in, that is this land, this mass, this territory with these frontiers, and they've converted it into an image of their world, their land, their imaginary frontiers. And it's just an exquisite process. And I think in that sense, I thought of the photo being an actor because the photo participates in that transformation of taking one archival object, putting it through this live practice, what I've called repertoire in my own work, and then back into the archival, which again is going to have a lived experience when people interact with that in whatever communities. It would be curious for me to know, would these images ever be shown in the Kayapo communities? Yes, I when I went there, I, 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 I shared with them. I took their hands photographs. I have a beautiful photograph in my website. We can, we can check that uh, they are holding their own hands and it's beautiful because uh, they, they seem to enjoy, although they're also very serious uh, in a way. So, uh, so I could, they, we need a photograph of them holding their, their own hands picture. And like you say, I am not sure how they deal with the idea of image of a representation. I don't, I'm not sure if uh, they would take the maps as the, a representation of their own territory. Even the idea of, uh, of representing something, I'm not sure exactly if this is not a concept that makes sense more to these Western culture uh, understanding or not. And that was the most, uh, I think it's the, the deepest lesson that I got from this interaction because these certain silence spoke to me that something in there was beyond translation, you know? And uh, some things that I had understood or that I had imagined before, they couldn't be explained exactly there. When I say this is the map of your territory, I'm, I'm, in that translation, I think this loses the meaning. And some things even, I would say, and right there, I could see that they would look awkward insane like who am i to bring your territory in a drawing you know uh so it was beautiful they would accept that and and, and give it back with this ghosting <laughs> the with this ghosting return of of these so the territory just vanishes the drawing the technical drawing of the territory just may, loses its meaning and this is beautiful because it, it it's returned with an embodiment of the map in the form of those of those uh, lines and that was completely uh, uh, there was a certain level of, uh, of, of of respect that it that it that ge that gesture returned can emanate and i think this can be seen in the museum and for having a i, I like how photograph i was thinking that in the, the gesture, the gesture of each one of the painters, although we had their names, we had their their the their names there as authors. The idea is that in indigenous, even in the indigenous rites, is that those drawings doesn't uh, the, the the drawings don't belong to one person or to one author. It belongs to a community, and this is why I thought how to credit 
like the authors because they are the artists of those of those but also they are the authors but they represent a community they represent a heritage so the idea of having not the face of the of the of the painter but but the arm the hand the gesture was something that i tried to underline the idea that these author represents a certain gesture that comes from generations to the to generations instead of uh, also reinforcing a certain individuality that the face might like uh, suggest you know and it's and the individuality is where the the technical drawings of the maps are come from you know these mindsets the of uh, the western culture and our culture where everything is capitalized and it looks like a contradiction because i am an artist i work with galleries i work with the museums the whole system is also capitalized and uh these projects specifically i i tried to 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 split equally the income eventual income from any sales between me, the gallery involved, and the indigenous people. So each one gets one third. It's my first experience, and it makes total sense because, uh, for example, now the Brazilian government support on indigenous lands, which, which is something guaranteed by law, is suspended, and uh, it's insane. So every collaboration or every every support or every uh, uh, Every, every partnership that they have done are being super valuable for this moment where we are struggling to, to have this government change to another one who guarantees the rights, guarantees the law, guarantees the, I mean, these, these efforts in a return of something that has been completely violated with, with uh, which is the colonial process, no? the colonial history. And uh, and these marks can be seen in many of these works, these collaborations uh, and these works. The you you mentioned the sugarcane ABC, the alphabet with the sugarcane uh, workers, and uh, the Kaipo project, and also the deaf community of uh, the directed games, uh, which is the video. I think lots of these projects they they try to approach communities which are deeply marked by the process of colonization of uh, a colonization which uh, which give which brings marks of exploitations in illiteracy in the lack of education in uh, racism so uh, I am a northeastern guy, so I speak a lot about this northeast. The Kayapo is actually the north in another region, in the Amazon. But I take, uh, I haven't experienced myself, I had the, the privilege of having an education, of not experiencing hunger. But I understand the projects as a way of taking the privilege of being someone who can articulate in photography, in and in these fields of discussions, like taking these discussions and images to other uh, environments like uh, Amsterdam, like everywhere, I, it's a way of sharing the thoughts of uh, how our society everywhere pretty much is divided in, in naturalizing the idea that we are privileged. There are privileged people and unprivileged people, and we navigate on that as if it was something okay or something that we can't fight against or or we're in the uh in the dilemma on how to diminish this so sharing these in photographs in moving images and in these projects with which flirt between the fiction and non-fiction or i think these are powerful ways of of dealing with these complex sensations but in a way we can uh, work on a certain level of subjectiveness uh, and discuss this i think that one of the things that you do in those three projects that you just mentioned is you're offering the participants the people who are working with you your co-collaborators co-creators um 
you're inviting them to imagine with you, to imagine otherwise through art, basically through play, through the alphabet, through the drawing. And I think that invitation to imagine together, to reconfigure what has already been configured in these very clear ways, right? Through colonialism, slavery, exploitation, everything that you've mentioned is, um, I think, the ground on which we can communicate. There's a very wonderful Portuguese theorist, maybe you know him, he's very popular in Brazil, uh, Boaventura de Sousa Santos. <clears throat> and he talks about the line. There's two sides of the line. You and I live on one side of the line. The people we care about, the people that you're working with, the people that I work with, live on the other side of the line. And we're never going to live on that side of the line. I know exactly where I live. I know exactly what my privilege is. But my commitment is to try to connect and to find some common grounds with people who live on the other side of the ground, of the line. And for me, it's always been through art. Because art, to me, seems to be the place where, even if we don't understand each other, like you don't understand the Kayapo women, the people who are deaf probably can't hear you or understand you, but you can do things together. You can reimagine together. And to me, that's like the one little possibility in this terrible legacy of colonialism that traps people on these different sides of the line. It's beautiful when you say about the line that seems so defined and how to approach the borderline and how the art projects or how uh, we can develop a practice that goes and goes in and out or plays like getting closer or like uh, or, or or create or, or or speak about this tension uh, critically but also playfully having the chance of uh, of uh, approaching the deaf community of Vazia Queimada in Piauí was something really special as well because when we speak about these uh, extreme difference of uh, of living in a in a in a in a place where is the sertão which is the extreme dry area with the lack of water with the lack of education opportunity and uh, those people uh, they they live in a place in a small village where for some reason they 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 were born most of them like a, a large number deaf and they are not educated they don't have a specific education for the libras which is the brazilian sign language but still i mean intuitively or like they develop their own language their own sign language very mimetical very powerfully uh powerfully ex full of expression you know and uh, the the, the idea of the project was to get closer and to uh, listen to them through their body gestures and dealing with our own ignorances of not understanding exactly what they say. So the video is, uh, the, the whole project is playing with the idea that we are trying to create a draft of a catalog, a gesture catalog, and also a dictionary of those gestures from Vaze Queimada. And through hearing their own stories, we can get a sense, a glimpse of how they live. They speak of work, they speak of, uh, of, uh, of, of the water, they speak of the pain, they speak of love affairs, they speak of machism, the macho culture, which is so much part of Brazil. And, uh, and women have their, the women are super strong there in between the, the characters. The, and so there are these, these, uh, these categories that we, we start to understand that they are common in their voices, but also there is uh, also uh, an impossibility of categorizing everything. So playing with the idea of, uh, of uh, creating a dictionary, which we imagine it's possible to create chapters and, uh, and ways, and then disrupting these attempts, it's beautiful because it speaks on how 
how it's it's in the end organizing it's a way of uh, of, of making it didactic but also disrupting this didactism is also beautiful to 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 see uh, situations which are impossible to classify or things that are said which is hard to pick one word and and mention so I think I love uh, the idea. I really like systems and methodologies because it uh, it shares this cre these uh, fake naive comfort that we can organize life and the world, but then it never it's never only about that. So in the sugarcane ABC, we have the excuse of creating the alphabet, and within that, we are embarrassed to see that those men. Uh, experience or have experienced lack of education. So speaking about language and uh, and words and uh, and translation, the idea of translation, we can see with the with the with the deaf community of Vaza Queimada that it's really hard to translate another another experience of a group of of, uh, of, of bodies. But still, it's beautiful to learn or try to learn. With the Kayapo women, we are also speaking about the intangible. Through the through my understanding, I get there with one script, and I leave there with lots of questions, lots of uh, of uh, of uh, of uh, unexpected feelings that I couldn't predict, and it's hard work to put this in order to a, to a final. Uh, piece to show to share but that's the most beautiful thing because I arrive uh, uh, the way I live it's completely different than the way I arrive it reminds me of this observation I guess it's a very basic observation that the West and the epistemologies and the technologies of the West are not the whole world I mean that's obvious right it's obvious but at the same time the challenge is how do we, having been educated in Western cultures, you in Brazil, me in Mexico, doesn't matter, right? These are colonized Western cultures and the systems that we live. But there's a lot of people here who have not been educated or colonized in that same way. And so how do we approach, or for us, for you and for me, I think a challenge is how do we expand our ways of knowing by taking other ways of knowing seriously. And if you think about the Kayapo women and they are drawing their way of knowing, they are showing it to you and to me because I can see these incredible drawings and I don't understand them and that's okay. And the people who are deaf are expressing themselves and they are communicating and we don't understand them and that's okay too. And there's a way in which we are expanding, I think, all of us, the Kayapo women and you and me as a, as a spectator. And also because I did, I told you had a little contact with the Kayapo um, population myself in a most incredible, fabulous way, um, but also with um, these other communities. So it's about expanding our ways of knowing. And I think part of it, for me, at least the challenge is to give up this really Western notion of our privilege as making it impossible to expand our ways of knowing. Like we're trapped in privilege. And I think, yes, we're trapped in privilege, but we have to get beyond it. You know, we have to break that and go to these places of unknowing, of unlearning, of being open to look at these paintings that these women make and say, there's a different way of being in the world that I don't understand. And that is incredibly compelling, right? So there's something in that way that I'm saying it's very transformational. I think not just for the women who are making it, or maybe not even just for you as an artist, but for us who are looking at these works and saying, oh my God, you know? Yeah, so it's amazing that you had the, had a chance to meet the Kayapo women because you might know exactly what I'm speaking about. Unbelievable. Can I tell you very, very briefly? Please. Um, when I used to direct the Hemispheric Institute of Performance and Politics, and we did an encuentro 
in in um, Belorizonchi in 2005. And it was, uh, for all of the Americas, we bring artists, scholars, and activists together. We invited people from Native communities throughout the Americas to come together in Belorizonchi. So we invited the Kayapo. And at first they said, no, 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 no. And then we said, we'll go get you. We'll do whatever, however, however you want to come, we will invite you. So finally they said, okay, 20 people, their leader who was extraordinary, extraordinary human being. Um, and they all came and they said, we're only going to sing one song and you cannot take photos and all of this. We said, fine, whatever, whatever your ways to participate are, that's fine. So then we all introduced each other. There were about four or 500 people, and they all came from different communities, indigenous communities in the Americas, from Patagonia to the Arctic Circle. And people introduced themselves in their own language, and the Kayapo couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. They were looking around, and then they said, we'll sing as much as you want. You can take as many photos as you want. And the women were taking photos of the other women and interviewing them on their little um, tape recorders. And it was like, because it was their own, they could do whatever they want with these other people who were in very similar conditions, right? Where they had always been sort of the object of curiosity. And here they did, it was for them, whatever they wanted to do. And it was, oh, I mean. It's beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. Wow. It's really, it really brings me an emotion to imagine this meeting, really, because uh, I, I think it's super powerful to them because they can see, I mean, they can have a dimension on how the, the Native Americans are everywhere and how this culture of being like isolated speaks of, uh, of the impact of the, of the, of the colonization project. And uh, I can imagine how you could be, like, uh, how, how rewarding it was to see them uh, allowing later on to, to be photographed after they had confidence on the whole, on the whole uh, meeting that you put up together. You know, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And they were photographing each other. And they were saying, I want to take these stories home for my children. What this woman from Patagonia said, what this Mapuche woman said, I want my Kayapo children to hear that. I mean, it was just incredible. Yeah. No, it's beautiful. And you say, like, uh, the, it's the power of the feminine as well. And, like, uh, and, uh, and also, we are speaking about these, the, about these struggle and, and the power and the cosmogony of those, of those uh, communities. And we are speaking about the feminine power, the black community's powers, and so on. And and uh, I find myself also trying to understand how I navigate in a world because uh, uh, in, in in a world and in, in a in a complex circle of uh, identities, because I I am a gay man and I and I have experienced in a way uh, oppression through these specific uh, identity. But these, for me, since my experience as a young man, I, I could understand, uh, I, I could create a, an empathy on oppression in, in, in trying to understand and read and get closer to many other types of oppression, women's oppression, indigenous people oppressions, the black community's oppression. And I think this is something that uh, approaches me to to these communities within my work and crossing through crossing crossing in my own identity as one one main subject which is dealing this whole project which which uh, sometimes is very violent to everyone but still how to reinvent or how to cope uh, how how to coordinate or balance uh, resistance and fight with joy with the beauty of life not to lose this track I mean, this is the whole point. I mean, we're. I think in in all projects, I try to create situations which we don't lose this. In the Tejuco Papo battle project commissioned by Foam, uh, it's a battle. It's about fighting and blood, but still, in those pictures, you can see the joy of those women and those those young men in, of of playing those characters. There is a certain beauty in the in the in the 
in the way they they perform their gestures and they perform in a in a very light way but still it's about resistance and it's serious and it's about there like a a, a mixed race black community putting their bodies into action throughout 30 years of resistance and imagine the symbolical impact of that in their in the in that community so i like how photography and video can be a way of documenting that through an experience which is a sort of excuse because i'm not documenting the way they do usually i invited those women for those women for example for not uh, not to use costumes historical quote unquote costumes that they they perform in the action but their own personal costumes and also there is another work together in the same room be, uh, because I, I did I proposed to photograph their personal objects in their houses for for um, to, and, and and created a, a, an inventory of objects printed in on cardboard in real scale and they are all numbered and they are like 20 uh, 282 objects and each one has a little description on how, what they, what they, what action they help or they inspire them to do in their daily life. So, I'm trying to speak about uh, the battle of every day in their personal life. So we can have uh, pots, we have uh, fishing nets, we have uh, we have chairs, we have uh, we have a bike. We have a, a sugarcane stalk of one of their gardens. We have even a Christmas tree is involved in this inventory. So the whole idea of community and uh, and the idea of what they work and how they perform in the play in the theater, the clay pots that they perform in the clay, in the in the theater together with the aluminum pots that they cook. Or the fishing nets where they ca- where they catch the the fishes because th- that's what they do there of their living. So in the same project, I uh, <clears throat> I try to get closer to these objects where they fight the daily life of today, together with the theater uh, representation of this old battle. And it's something there which is very beautiful when I talked to to Dona Luzia, the the creator of these. Of these, uh, of these uh, play, of this theater, she said, uh, "Today it's not about the Dutch colonizer anymore." She says, "Today we fight hunger, we fight lack of opportunity, we fight uh, for finding education." So it's beautiful that she is super aware of teaching that it's not about uh, maintaining a life the impact of the of the dutch colonizer anymore only but it goes beyond it's about uh keeping alive the flame of resistance in a in a hole in a in a hole no so the idea of reacting to something that it's not fair or or defending the territory and even the symbolical territory of the rights of uh of defending their own symbolic territory it's um it's very beautiful because what I think you're saying and what they seem to be doing is that yes, this particular conquest in a way is over, right? But colonial coloniality continues. And what we still see are the effects of coloniality, right? We see them in the United States, we see them in Brazil, we see them in Mexico, we see them in Canada, we see them everywhere some more and some less, but all of those mechanisms of exclusion and marginalization continue, right? And the formation of what's acceptable and normal and hegemonic continues. And as you say, it has to do with sexual orientation. It has to do with race. It has to do with, you know, income. It has to do with everything, right? I mean, every single aspect of our life is continuing under this rubric of capitalism now and exploitation. So to find these, so for me, what I have always found interesting is the way that these identities continue through the dance, through these enactments, through the way the people cook and sing and tell and keep objects. And that's how they live. 
right? Performance is their way of maintaining identity, of, of maintaining memory, of building other ways of being in the world. And that's why I think it's so vital to understand it, not as just, you know, how some people are talking about performances like, like theater or something that you learn and you do. No, it's, it's life. It's, you know, ontologically vital, vital. And it's, um, it's a way that we also know in the world by the way that we do things. And you've seen that you've shown that and you've shared that with us. So I just want to thank you for your work and for bringing these communities and these experiences to, to me and to so many other people, because I find it extraordinary and incredibly moving. Yeah, thanks a lot. I mean, the, it's great to hear how the projects inspire like thoughts and uh, how it, they resonate to what you, you, you've, you, you've been studying or observing or, or to your sensibility in, in meeting the Kayapo women and seeing in the, in the painting flags, photographs, uh, uh, resonation of your own personal experience. I mean, this is completely rewarding and, and, and uh, beautiful to me. Thank you very much. I really hope these touch also the audience because uh, I think uh, these subjects, I mean, they look very local, but they are pretty much universal, right? And they remind me of so much other indigenous work, which reminds me again of this Encontro in Belo Horizonte, right? I mean, there's indigenous people everywhere and they do extraordinary work and they have other ways of knowing and being in the world that allows them to be who they are and to value and transmit what they, who and what they are and what they believe in. So to see this and to see you being a part of it is just very, it's very special. I think it's going to yes. resonate. I think it'll really resonate this. Hope so. Yeah. Thanks. I'm honored for this conversation. Thank you very much. Oh my, thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And do not miss Jonatas de Andrade's exhibition, Foam, which will remain open until the 18th of May. Do not forget to check other online content created on the occasion of his exhibition via foam.org explore. Also, keep an eye on our social media for the upcoming episode. Until the next time, 